Welcome to the Path 11 podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. I am also the co-founder of Path 11 Productions. And aside from podcasting, we also make great films and documentaries, which can be found at path11productions.com. We have a special promo code just for our podcast listeners. The promo code is PATH11PODCAST, and if you go to our website, PATH11PRODUCTIONS.COM, and visit our shop page, put that promo code in, and you will receive 50% off of our Evolution DVD, which is the third film in our PATH Trilogy series. If you would like to become a sponsor of the PATH11 Podcast, please email me at info at PATH11PRODUCTIONS.COM. And now for this week's show. So today I am joined with guest Kayla Ambrose, and she is your travel guide to the other side, award-winning author, intuitive, wisdom teacher, lifestyle expert, and modern muse. She helps entrepreneurs and visionaries live their best life. She is the author of six books, including The Awakened Dreamer, The Awakened Psychic, and The Awakened Aura, and has taught thousands around the world how to connect with their soul path destiny and create a life that is balanced and in tune with their life purpose and goals. Welcome, Kayla. Hi, thank you so much for having me on the show. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, I wanted to tell you a little bit kind of how we found you and uh, decided to reach out to you and bring you on. So every year, Mike and I, we usually get some sort of email, somehow it pops up on our feed for the Afterlife Conference. And I know um, William Buhlman is a speaker there, and he's in three of our documentaries. Um, We did something called the Paths Trilogy, and our first film was on the Afterlife. And I think when we put the Afterlife DVD out in 2008, the Afterlife conference had already passed. So we had missed our opportunity. And here we are like 10 years later, and we still have not, you know, had a chance to reach out and get to be a part of this conference. And we should be because we did some work in the field, you know, with some great people talking about it. So when I went onto the website, and I got the notification, I started looking at all of the presenters and the speakers, and you were one of the people. And I said, gosh, I would love to interview her. And um, so I wanted to give you a chance to, um, maybe before we get into your books and into the interview, if you could let our listeners know what the Afterlife Conference is, what you're going to be doing there, and what type of uh, things people could expect if they wanted to attend. It's my first time to be speaking at the Afterlife Awareness Conference, and I'm really uh, looking forward to it. It's run by Terry Daniel, and it's the theme of it is exploring the science and spirit of death and beyond. And it's a conference that's been going since 2011, I believe, that gathers people together, uh, researchers, scientists, experts in the field, all that work with the survival of consciousness after death, what happens after we leave the earth plane. And so you have physicians and clergy and uh, people like me, psychic mediums and healers and all, we all gather from our different aspects and walks of life to share what we know, what we've seen, uh, and, and what happens in the, in the afterlife. So I've done this work for a long time as a psychic medium, doing readings for people. And I've often said I was a reluctant medium, meaning that, uh, you know, I get very excited when I do a, a reading for someone and talk to them about their future, about what's coming. And a lot of my work is based on that, where 
I work with a lot of CEOs and VPs and uh, investors and politicians and, uh, and people on Wall Street and Silicon Valley and predict future business trends, what's coming five to seven years from now, and help them plan their businesses that way. But I say I'm a reluctant medium uh, because spirit will come through and people will come through sometimes when I'm doing these consultations. And it's not that I called for them. It's not like I'm trying to work as a medium. They just appear. So I've dealt with that my whole life. Um, and I'll be speaking some about that. But this year actually is a lot more personal for me. Um, three years ago, I lost my husband very suddenly and became a widow overnight and went from uh, talking with other people's family and loved ones in spirit to having that connection now uh, with my husband. So uh, I'll be speaking about that, about uh, as someone who's been through grief now as a widow and is going through this journey of having uh, a connection with the love of my life and now not in the physical, but through the spiritual, uh, what that's like to make that connection and try to keep that connection through grief and, and the intense uh, journey of, of pain and struggle and uh, what that's like, which is completely life altering for me in many ways because of, uh, you know, it's one thing to be seeing someone else's loved one. I've lost other people. I, I, both my parents are deceased. I've been through grief. It's not my first time, but <clears throat> your parents are your connection to your roots. And you kind of know at one point you're going to lose them. Uh, not as young as I did, but still there's an understanding, but uh, to be, in your 40s and then lose your husband very suddenly just changes your entire future. And so I talk about that, the realities of it, and even the struggle of being someone who sees the future for everyone else, but never being able to see it for myself and, and how that's affected me now. So um, probably not what you expected to hear from me with what I'll be talking about with this, because it'll be a much more uh, personal discussion. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. And, um, you know, I hope people do get a chance to maybe register for the conference after they do hear our um, podcast and interview. And yeah, I was going to mention, you know, as you were telling your story, it's you hit it like the nail right on the head where you said, you know, it's one thing to be able to do this for people, but then when something like that strikes us in our personal lives and, um, many times people who do have intuition and psychic ability and connecting with the other side, they're really not given that information for their own life because the soul needs to be able to grow, you know, so you can't necessarily be given all that information, I believe, because that could possibly hinder the way that your soul will evolve and why it's here to evolve. I agree. And I've, I've found whether I've created this block or it's been put there for me since I'm all also an empath and take in everyone's energy. It's hard for me to read family members, direct family members. It's like, I'm too emotionally connected to them and don't want to know some of the things. So I appreciate that block that's there for that reason many times. Uh, cause it is, it is very difficult to try to process that on a daily basis and still get some work done really. <laughs> Right, exactly. Um, now, you know, just kind of moving more in uh, 
the direction of talking about how you work with entrepreneurs and visionaries and working more within the future self. Um, I'm always pretty curious about that because many times, you know, with readings that I've had with people and they may be able to, you know, see things in the future, they always say that there is free will. And so how, how does one like yourself work in the future of people if there is that ability to have free will and other people's free will and how that can intertwine with our futures and possibly change them? Like, how do you know that you could be very accurate in um, giving people more future advice? Well, not advice, but future predictions. Uh, well, the proof's in the pudding, like they say. We, uh, as we come back as a soul individually, we have a destiny, which I believe that when we're on the other side, we... We're in a meeting, let's call it, with our spirit guides and our advisors, and we look how we're coming back into this lifetime, and what what do we want to accomplish? We have goals, and we say, okay, I'm going to take on this and this and this, and this is what I want to learn, and this would be the best way to do it. I'll be born as this type of person in this area, uh, looking like this, having these abilities. I'll bring back these aspects of myself that I want to repeat again or enhance and learn from. So we create this whole plan on the other side that we are actually uh, giving permission to and creating. And that is what we call here on earth, our destiny. They're kind of what I see in people's auras. I call them karmic markers, meaning uh, there's these, there are these little anchors that I see in the aura um, that come from the Akashic records. And they hold those bits of ourselves and those markers that we want to attract to us in this lifetime and live and experience again. So these markers are like a beacon and they, they send out this impulse that attracts that experience or person or thing we need to learn or uh, an adventure we need to have to us so that we get these things that we call our destiny. Once we have achieved these, these uh, experiences, the karmic marker dissipates. It goes back up to the Akashic records and it's clear. The free will is the choice we have with, with these things that we've set in place as karmic markers to, uh, to give us the free will to how we're going to react to it. Will we let it overwhelm us? Will we let it destroy us? Will we uh, get addicted to it? Will we understand it for what it is and let it go? Will we choose to feel uh, victimized because we've forgotten? The free will is our thoughts and our emotions and our decision of how we're going to handle all of these things. So you've got these karmic markers individually. When I do predictions for uh, business people uh, and people in different industries like you know, angel investors in Silicon Valley, things like that, or a lot of, uh, I work with a lot of small business owners that are small to mid range and, and they're trying to get an idea of what's coming. What I see are the future trends based on the global consciousness of what's coming and what's building here uh, on earth and um, in this country and globally as well. And you can see, you know, it takes a few years for energy to build up in the global consciousness to manifest the next thing. So when I'm seeing five to seven years out, I'm seeing what the demand is from large groups of people who are creating this energy with their thoughts and the global consciousness and wanting these things to occur. And I'm also seeing what the great thinkers and visionaries and people working are creating with their thoughts and actions and words 
creating in that global consciousness that's going to manifest five to seven years out. So I see a lot of things about new technologies, new inventions, um, high probabilities of what's going to happen with um, sales and um, production and those types of things. Um, I've written about this in the past. I wrote about, oh gosh, the Learning Annex asked me, I think in 2011, to write about 2012 and the decade beyond that, what was to come. And I predicted a lot of these things, writing it, starting to write about that in 2010 and 2011, uh, how schools would change, how education would change, how stores would change, uh, how, you know, the shopping online, the different things we would do, how much it would grow, how quickly it would grow. And what I'm seeing is that projection that is, you know, nothing's 100%. If any psychic or anyone tells you they're 100%, uh, I wouldn't believe them. Because I, you know, say myself, I'm pretty good and I hit that 90 percentile a lot, but I don't know anyone in anything that, you know, that bats 100 100 percent, you know, whether it's sports or psychics or whatever you want to talk about. So, um, you know, I give you high probabilities and I've I've been pretty good. My clients are satisfied and I can see those things. I can feel energy as well, the way energy kind of rides with with stock markets and tapping into that. Uh, I don't do sports a lot. I've gotten a lot of calls for that. Can I predict a game? And I have predicted some games just to show that I can, but I don't like to do it. And um, it usually has to be a very, very exciting, upsetting game where I'm feeling the emotional upset and intensity from uh, the people watching uh, the sport. So it's really feeling the emotions of it from the fans and how that ripple effect goes out into the future, because we know time is third dimensional here. And when you're looking into this, you're going into fifth dimension. So you're able to feel that energy in the future. And so uh, that's how, when I'm tuning into something like that, like a sport is I'm feeling that big upset or intensity, but I've still got to tap in and figure out why is there an upset? Was it because it was a great win or was it an upsetting loss, you know, and then determine that way. So it's a, it's a growing science. I take a lot of notes and, and compare just like I do with all my books. And that's kind of how my books are created really. <laughs> right. And how would you explain to people the process of how you tap in and go, you know, five to seven years into the future? Are you using um, remote viewing techniques? Uh, is it, is there something different or a skill that you have perfected in order to be able to do that, to have more, what would they call it? Prophetic vision or more prophecies? Or is this something that anybody can do? Like, you know, many people say everybody has intuition, everybody has psychic ability. It's just a matter of practicing it and utilizing it. Well, in my book, The Awakened Psychic, I do say that everyone has psychic ability and intuitive ability, let's call it that. And that is to be more aware. We were all born with that sixth sense. It's shut down a lot. Uh, and I talk about that in that book because of the lifestyle we live now, where we used to have to rely on it more, living in the wild, living where we had to have those senses up to protect us, whether we were walking in the woods or, you know, just uh, being prepared for things, we use those abilities much more. And so we haven't been encouraged to use them. And in some ways they're shut down when we're young now with, uh, with the way that we're presented to the world and the educational system and the way things are, which is to appeal more to the logic side of the brain and less to the, the creative and intuitive side. So it's just not taught the same. So we 
tend to forget it over time. If you're, if you study these things, you can open it back up relatively easy. So you can open up to your intuition like everybody does. The difference is, can you be taught to be, you know, a psychic and how strong of a psychic depends on several things. One, your interest in it, your ability to work on it. Um, and a lot of times your natural talent and abilities, I liken it to the same thing as learning to play the piano or learning to be, you know, an all-star in baseball. Uh, everyone can learn to play the keys on, uh, on the piano or to pick up a bat and hit a ball, but not everyone's an all-star. Some have uh, past life ability they're taking back. You see those children who are brilliant at playing the piano at four years old, and they're bringing that back from another lifetime. Some have a natural ability in this lifetime to to be great at it and play in concerts and perform around the world. Some play little league with baseball, um, maybe through high school, but not everybody makes it to uh, all the way, you know, to, to play for a professional team. So some of it does depend on your ability and how much you're willing to work at it and practice, practice, practice. With um, seeing things in the future, I think that was the other part of your question, how that works is I studied for years in the mystery schools and I trained with different mystery school teachers before I became what's called an esoteric wisdom teacher and started my own mystery school. And that's my very first book that talks about that. It's the nine life altering lessons, secrets of the mystery schools unveiled. And I talk about how in ancient Greece and in Egypt and mystery schools around the world, people would go study this and learn how to do these abilities. And I was very fortunate to find teachers again that, that worked with me in my 20s and showed me how to tap in and do this. I have studied remote viewing and other things much later, uh, but, but I'm not using remote viewing when I'm doing this. What I'm doing is, is if I'm working with a client and they want to know about their particular uh, business, you know, or, or career path that they're doing, I tap in through the layers of the aura. There are cords that extend from the aura uh, to every relationship you're in and every person you know, and the cords that go up into the higher realms that connect with what we call your higher self and the soul. And that soul up there remembers every lifetime, the energy from everything, it's much more clear, and that energy runs back and forth. Uh, down from uh, those higher realms into the person and and sending that data back and forth like a network system. So if I'm looking for a person, I connect first with that and see what they're creating because the higher self up there, the higher soul knows all and sees all and understands what's coming a little bit in the future, which it helps protect the part of our soul that is in our physical body through the aura, which is a buffer system as well, giving us some protection um, from stress and strain and, and things to come. So I can see first what's going on with the person and what they're uh, creating and analyzing and dealing with by their makeup there in that sense. Uh, from there, I tap into the global consciousness to see what's going on in the future and where things are heading. If it's going to be a, a good year for real estate or uh, growing the company or expanding into a certain country or whatever their question is for me, their specific questions of what they're looking to expand and how to expand. So I've helped companies with that that are say they have, you know, are growing from one location and they want to diversify and expand and have multiple sites or multiple, uh, you know, 
their, of their business in different states and things like that. I've looked at whether it's a good time to invest or not. And if so, what type of things to invest in? Um, I've looked at paths with, with politics and where things are running, looking at the global consciousness and where sentiment is and, and how that's affecting. Um, gosh, I mean, the list goes on. I could tell you all kinds of stories about different clients like that. I, I won't talk about clients specifically. I, typically sign confidentiality agreements that I won't share any of their information or things that they're working on, but I can give generalized examples of, of things like that. But, um, I wish I could tell you from A to Z, the perfect path that that it is, but it's not uh, when you're dealing with anything that, uh, is dealing with intuition and psychic ability. It's using the creative side of the, of, uh, oneself. And that's why I call it an art, not a science. My school is the Academy of mystical arts and spiritual sciences, because some things are arts and each and with art, it's individual. You learn how to do it. How I learned to do it for me may not be the same as, as students that I teach how to do this. They have to find their way in the path that works the best for them versus what I call the, those are the mystical arts versus what I call the spiritual sciences, which are a little more formulaic, like astrology has a, you know, um, more numerology, those type of things where you're kind of doing sacred geometry and the mathematics with it to, to get that spiritual science aspect. So it's a mixture of both. And I guess being from Louisiana, I made my own kind of gumbo with it. It's a mixture of all these things that makes me, me and do what I do. And I show others how to do it, um, in their way as well. Great. Thank you for that. And um, a couple of questions that come up is trying to figure out how to put it into words. Um, may, I'm trying to get at a question of like, what are the pros and cons of kind of knowing or, you know, working with somebody like yourself, getting some information about your business, about the future, as opposed to some people that might say, well, maybe you're taking the fun out of it. Maybe you're supposed to stumble and just fall upon what your path is without really knowing. Um, and, and does it lessen the growth if people are given, um, you know, this information and then they, they jump to it as opposed to, you know, kind of, I guess what I said, like stumbling it upon themselves. Like, for example, let's say, um, you know, Mike and I come to you and say, Hey, we have a couple of ideas that we're thinking for new documentaries, you know, and you're tapping into the larger consciousness and kind of seeing something. And you might say, well, you know, maybe this direction would be a little bit better. And let's say we had in our mind, well, we were actually thinking to go this way, but you know, Kayla said this might be the better choice. And how does that play into, um, I don't really know how to find the words, but kind of like our soul path of now going in a different direction that maybe our hearts were more involved in a different direction, but then we come to um, somebody that can give us a reading like this, and then we change our course of action. Well, uh, I would start with that if you're coming to someone with a question, you already have some doubts or some concerns about which way to go, because if your heart is completely sold on it, you don't really need to question anyone. Right. Uh, but beyond that, the entrepreneurs usually that I work with are very, usually pretty successful already and they're visionaries. So they understand working with a team and seeking out the advice of others, not that they're going to follow it blindly, but they gather it all together to make their, their best plan. And I assist them with very, uh, real world practical steps in doing it. It's not just the, uh, airy fairy creative. Oh, well, it might be fun to do 
bouncy balls or something like that. Um, I get real deep into it. Um, you know, what it would mean if you pursued this niche business or you went in this area with your sales and marketing and advertising and promotion, or you directed your company on this new path, how that works. I give really, uh, insightful information on what that would be like if you took path A and what it would be like if, if you took path B. So if you came to me and said, I'm thinking about two different types of documentaries, I would tell you if you do number one, here's a good likelihood of what's going to happen with it, how it's going to be received, the challenges you would face with it, um, and the information you could discover and bring to light. If you take path B, here's the same things with this, You know what's going to happen with that. The entrepreneurs I usually work with are um, not really fumbling about too much with with uh, who they are. They kind of have a sense of who they are and what their brand is and what they're creating, and they just want to know how to take it further to get that that um, forecast of that that intuitive guidance and and business trends so they can maximize their potential and their profits. And I'm pretty straightforward about here's where. Uh, you're being challenged and here's where you're doing great. And here's what you need to do to take all this in the material world and bring it higher into your soul's purpose and in alignment with what this company is supposed to be and grow and, and merge into. So they're pretty much on the path already doing that. I do help some people who let's say are beginning at that, uh, that, you know, are trying to build their brand and establish their platform, things like that. I give them a lot of real world basic knowledge in that as well. If they come to me at that point where they're just trying to create their platform and, and that are the baby entrepreneurs and just getting started in the beginning like that, I'll work with them as well to give them a real firm found, uh, foundation, which includes a one-year plan, a three-year plan and a five-year plan based on the homework they need to do to grow their business. So I usually leave them with so much work to do that they're like, okay, okay, I get it. I'm going to have, you know, I have a big part to play in this. You're not just telling me this and being it's going to happen. I have a lot of work to do to guide my company or my business and to get it in this area. And there's a lot of work that, that goes into it that I haven't found a way around. No matter who you are, you've got to put the energy into it and the action uh, to create the outcome. So uh, I work with them on that level with that. And, and, you know, we're growing it together and, with all things, as I say, there's free will with anything and new ideas may come to you. I talk about how to tap into your dreams and let your dreams guide you. If you can't tap into your intuition in other ways, talk about how to use your intuition and go with what we call gut feelings so that you make the best um, decisions. I'm not trying to be a guru because a guru is someone you go to constantly and you're looking for that direction. The age of the guru is over. I say I'm your travel guide to the other side. So I'm a guide. I walk with you. I point out some interesting things. I present some interesting opportunities, but it's your journey. And I just walk with you to be of help and of service as I can. But each person has to accomplish the, these things themselves and, and get that, um, wonderful experience of success of having built something, uh, you know, from the ground up or enhance something that you jumped into with a company and to make your mark on it. And that's what I do as a guide is I'm providing that little extra boost, like uh, a coach does in some ways, whether it's a sport coach or a life coach, I'm more of an intuitive coach in that way. Uh, just like the oracles were back in the day in Greece when people would go seek out the oracles or the muses for their information and advice to grow. 
it's what's always been done. I always talk about who was it? Uh, is it Rock, Rockefeller or JP Morgan? I'm trying to remember way back in the day, but one of those um, said, you know, if anyone can become a millionaire, but if you want to become a billionaire, seek out an astrologer. And they would talk about using those types of things. It's been done since the beginning of the world, whether kings and queens had their own court psychics or oracles or, you know, went for that information. That's just the extra boost I'm, I'm providing there with this information. Hopefully that makes sense. Yeah. And you give a great example. You know, if we want to excel and do better, like you said, in an athletic activity, or if we want to really find kind of that, that that job that we would go to the life coach or that we would have, you know, an athletic coach to develop, you know, those skills and to prepare us, you know, for, for future endeavors. So it really is no different than to seek somebody out like yourself. Sometimes people just don't think of that in terms of, you know, using someone, you know, with that, that intuitive ability and seeing them very equal as like you would with any other coach. Yes, I'm very passionate about taking the woo-woo out of what I do and for this industry as well to help bring it. Uh, you know, it used to be very respected back in the ancient times. You went to, uh, when you were, you know, I write about this in the Awakened Aura book, how you go and you um, would enter the temple for healing and you'd have a dream interpreter that watched over you. You would have all these things done to help clear and cleanse your, your mind, body, and spirit before anything physically would be done. And it was understood more of the connection like that. And I'm very passionate about trying to bring that back into modern times that using your intuition is not some kind of, uh, you know, I say woo woo for want of a better word, but it's, it's, it shouldn't be like that. It's a natural part of who we are and it's, it's there to help us and to guide us. And I like to show other people how to, uh, to do that. And that's why I wrote the books. I, you know, like the awakened psychic, like the awakened aura and the awakened dreamer is to, is to put the power in the hands of the people that you can do this and that you can tap into these. And if you want a coach to get better at it and stronger and, and make your game even better, whether it's, you know, baseball, like I said, or playing the piano or just your intuitive ability as an entrepreneur or whatever you want to use it for a coach just helps you you know, fine tune it. it. It was JP Morgan, by the way, I was trying to remember, so I had to look it up. It's JP Morgan. Anyone can be a millionaire, but to be, become a billionaire, you need an astrologer. And so many, uh, you know, a lot of my clients are wealthy because they, they don't talk about it. And that's why I signed a lot of confidentiality agreements because they know that there are other people that still look at this a little funny. So I'm just a quote consultant for them. Uh, but they understand how this works and that it does work and that that's how companies and, and other things grow. Right. Yeah. And this would be a nice segue um, into chapter five of your book of the Awakened Aura. I mean, one of the things that I really liked is you described um, how there are seven layers of the aura. But when you jump to chapter five, how the aura develops from childhood into adulthood, I've never really heard anybody talk about that before. Um, and I'd like you to explain that to our listeners, because there's something pretty key around the age of 49 that you talk about in, in the development of the aura and how we kind of come into a new awakening um, at that age. So would you mind bringing us through that? Sure. And uh, I'll start by saying this is it, my teaching. This is taught in the ancient mystery schools. And it's even uh, talked about in some of the religions as well with the understanding. Uh, I think in the Catholic Church, 
they talk about the age of seven being the age of reason and there's first communion and the Jewish religion. There's a, an age of understanding and moving uh, into an adult like experience, uh, around the age of 13 into 14. So a lot of religions refer to this ancient teaching. What it is, is that um, when we're born, I'm trying to think, how do I explain the aura for someone that doesn't know? So the aura is the energy field, the bodies around you. And it's many layers. And the layers we'll talk about quickly here are there's a physical layer, which has the kind of your spirit, the etheric battery. It's that white light around you. It's the spark in your eyes that people see and connect with when they feel they're seeing into your soul. And it's the battery that animates your spirit that uh, happens with the first breath when you're born. And it's the energy, the light that goes out when you when you pass on, when you pass away. And so that aura in the physical layer brings that light. And then you have um, a mental field in the aura, an emotional field, and then many spiritual layers. But we're going to talk about these four today just quickly. So as you're born, this aura is around you, but it continues to change and evolve and grow. And as it does, it's fine-tuning each of these layers. So when you're born up until age seven, it is dramatically focused on the physical layer and it's setting the template around your body, part of which uh, it carried this energy, this etheric template from what you decided that you would be and how you would grow and evolve physically in this lifetime. So from a baby to age seven, you're just focused on the physical growing, growing, growing. And if we think about that from the size you are as a baby till age seven, that's a huge a lot amount of growth to grow into that size. So, um, from seven to 14, the aura then switches to focus primarily on the mental field and it's taking in all the information it can to really put, you know, thoughts into our intellect and how we're going to perceive and think about the world and how we process this information. So this is why children at that age ask a hundred questions a day. Why, why, why does the water go this way? What happens when we do this? Why is this? And it's why elementary level education is the most important education you get. It's not college, it's in elementary school. And because it creates the foundation, everything that you learn beyond that is just adding to it, adding to those basics. And so it's why school at that point is so important and also why children pick up foreign languages so easily at that time because the aura has greatly expanded the mental field. It's like a sponge, it's just soaking in everything it can. And then, as you can tell, we're moving here in seven-year cycles. And then, so the next cycle is age 14 to 21. And that's when the aura expands and changes dramatically in the emotional field. And we're going through puberty. We're experiencing all these emotions. We are now... uh, lost a little bit of the sense of self that we had from the logical standpoint of understanding who we were from 10, 11, 12, 13, um, into being affected by our emotions and how others perceive us. So we're less logical. We're more emotional at that time, 14 to 21. And we're seeing the world now, not just I, 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 what do I think about this, but what do others think about me? How do I look? How am I perceived? Am I lovable? Do others love me? We start to look at our parents' relationships and, and 
how they see us. And we look at, we study their relationship to see how they love each other or what their relationship is like and to under, to understand the energy behind it. So those are the most important years where we really take in things emotionally. And when we need our parents the most and other loved ones that support us um, in that emotional way to help us navigate that field and to understand what it means to be loved, uh, what is higher love, what is spiritual love, what is romantic love, all of those things. From 21, then, the next segment to 28, the spiritual layer of the aura really begins to expand. And so in your 20s, you're taking everything you, you've gathered from your physical, mental, and, uh, and, and emotional field, all the data in that aura, and you begin that, that quest of who am I and asking those age-old questions, who am I and why am I here? And you set out on trying to figure that out, which is why no one is supposed to know what they're supposed to do in their 20s. It's supposed <laughs> to be fluid. It's supposed to be figuring it out. You're just starting your spiritual journey of on a higher level, who am I and why am I here? And so then from 28, that's when I start holding you accountable, when you need to start getting yourself together. Because 28 to 35 is is you've gathered all this, and now you're supposed to be building that foundation, uh, growing up and, and maturing. And so it continues every seven years with cycles. And what's brilliant about this is the ancients have taught about this forever. I write about it in the Awakened Aura book, that every seven years, your aura connects with all the fields in your body down to your DNA and every seven years, it all is reborn. It's all regrouped. So if you don't like the way your life is going, you can look at one of these seven year markers and realize that if you start on that new age, 28, 35, 42, that you can recreate everything. You can remove the old data from your cells, from the cellular level, where you stop having, as I call it, that stinking thinking. Well, I'm this way because my parents made me this way, or this happened when I was 14, and so I'm always going to be this way. You can learn the true secrets of the mind-body-spirit connection, the true secrets of what you think you become. And you can change that and rewrite your entire life with a completely new consciousness grid through the aura, through your thoughts, through your emotions, and, and be reborn and create yourself as a brand new person in these seven-year cycles. And the mystics talked about this in the past, that you could even do that for, for healing at the mental level, the emotional level, and the physical level, and would work to do this. So there's a lot of work being done with that. I've, I've spoken with some great researchers who do this at the DNA level and talk about uh, the ability. I talk, I've given talks at like Edgar Casey's ARE and other places about epigenetics and, and how that opens psychic ability and the energy that's in those genes that's ready to be prompted and open that make us all more psychic. And I talk about how the levels of the aura here with these seven-year cycles activate them and can help you grow as well. This culminates right now at the age of seven times seven at 49. And at that point, our genes then open and activate into what we call the wise, the wisdom years, the wise men and the wise women. And I teach a lot about this, how to access that beginning on your 50th year and opening up to all that wisdom. And this is why many cultures 
we don't do it as much here in the, in the United States. Hopefully that will change. But other more older cultures revere the wisdom of their elders and understand that they do have uh, have gained um, knowledge and applied that through action into wisdom and, and experience to see things differently because they're not being as controlled by their emotional layers and their uh, physical layers and things. The body is more fine-tuned into the spiritual realms where they can see things from a different perspective and there's great wisdom in that. And then you continue, you make kind of a conscious or subconscious decision at 49, do you want to continue to grow? Some people don't subconsciously and they begin to shut down and this affects some people that, you know, how, how they, as they age, where they go or what they're open to, or if they're open to new concepts, those that consciously decide, I want to continue to learn more and more and more. It activates and grows even larger and continues on in those seven year cycles, bigger and bigger to take in more information from the other side, um, and grow and become a great visionary or seer or, uh, in all the different ways that, that, um, they may want to explore. And that's really a, a project I want to talk more about in the future to show people as they age from 50 onward what they can do with this energy because their aura is more refined. And it, that hasn't been taught to that age group about what you could really do with this. And then in some ways, life's just beginning in a whole new way uh, and to take it to run. And as people are going to live longer now up and, you know, past the age of 100 and beyond, we're rapidly getting to that where 120 is going to be um, a more natural age. There's a lot to do from 50 to 120. You got a lot to go there. And so um, the aura is expanding that. And that's what I talk about in that book, the structure being built around our bodies that's evolving and helping us reach into those higher realms, bring down this energy and communication um, and and have that uh, regenesis really. Yeah, I think that would be great. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm turning 41 this year and I'm just, you know, I say, gosh, there's a part of me that can't wait to get a little older because when I feel some of the wisdom that I just have at 40, I feel that that culmination that you're talking about, like something's building, there's, you know, more wisdom, there's a better understanding, there's a different movement in life. And, uh, yeah. And so I can only imagine like getting into the fifties of, okay, now what now, you know, how do you keep moving that, you know, to be, to continue to be productive and to serve others. And, you know, because really I, I look at our elders as, as just filled with so much wisdom, you know, and th those are the people that I want to be talking to because they have been here more years than I have, you know, and, uh, and, and how that wisdom could be of service. So I think that would be great. I hope you do talk more about that, write a book about that. Um, I'll be buying it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I love teaching about it like I've been doing with the children perspective to show how much the aura changes, physical, mental, and emotional. So parents can really understand that process with their children. And now I'm, I'm hoping to you know go to the other angle and talk about as we age and, and how we do it from that senior perspective. For you personally, 41 is a big year uh, because if there's anything you want to change in your life and you're in your cellular blueprint and your data that you've uh, incurred up to this age, you know now that 42 is a brand new beginning where you can rewrite the energy in all of your cells for you know health, wealth, prosperity, 
healing, anything that you want. Um, so this is the year to really clear it out. And I can tell you astrologically, this is a very good year for doing that. So you're kind of lucky that it, you are 41 at this particular year. This is a cleansing and purging year. So anything you want to change, you can let go of and do the work this year and start 42, recreating an entirely different um, aspect or, or complete person of yourself if you wish to. Awesome. That's very encouraging. And I know that I'm well on my way. I have some ideas of things that I'm purging from my life right now. So that's good. Good to hear. Um, so I, I think kind of as we begin to bring our interview to a close, I'd like to maybe wrap back around to how we began. Um, and I'd like to just ask a couple of more questions because I know that our listeners uh, learn a lot from people who can communicate with people on the other side. And I'd like to bring it back to a question uh, with the connection that you have with your husband now that he's passed. And I guess part of that question and what I'm thinking is, you know, with all that you have learned throughout your studies, your teachings, uh, working with clients, having past loved ones come through in the readings, is there anything that your husband has taught you that you did not know or have any wisdom about until he made his transition over? And is there anything that he shared with you that has helped you beyond words and something that you couldn't have learned through your clients? Yes, yes, yes. And I'd like to say I'm always learning, uh, you know, and as soon as I think I know something, I get proven that I barely knew much about it at all. And so I'm the consummate student as well as a teacher and a guide, because there's just, we never know it all. It's, you know, it's why they're the greater mysteries. And, you know, um, I came back with this ability to see spirit and communicate with people that are, well, what we call ghosts that are stuck on the earth plane. Um, versus spirits that are on the other side and come back. And I began having experiences like this since I was very little. I would talk to my parents about it and say, um, you know, I was talking with my great grandmother last night, someone who was never alive when I was born. And I would describe her and give information. And so they knew something was going on. And then I was very, very close to my grandfather. And he died when I was pretty young. Um, I don't know, maybe 10 or 11. And I experienced, I'm an empath and I experienced his death. I woke my parents up and said he was dying and described it. And I write about that in one of my books and, and what I felt, you know, going through that process. Um, and then my, um, father, my parents divorced, but you know, my mother remarried, but my father, uh, biologically passed in my twenties and my mother passed in my thirties. So like I said, I've had a lot of experience with, with loved ones and passing and things like that. And they have come back and communicated and been uh, in spirit, you know, and, and popped up now and then, but it's usually been, you know, it was, I was happy to see them and they would come for a certain message and then they would go. And I kind of just accepted that, that that's the way it was meant to be. My husband, when I, when we met, um, we instantly remembered past lives together. And, um, in fact, within just a couple of weeks of knowing each other, we recognized those things and we're both having dreams. He was trained in mystery schools as was I with different teachers. So when we both came back, we were already very, both very deeply involved in this type of work. And I said, you know, I have a notebook where I've written down things from past lives and he said, oh, I have one too. We had all these commonalities. We both had a list of things we were looking for in a, in a 
mate as well. And we were like, oh my gosh, we have to exchange lists. This will be hilarious. And we had just been dating a week or two. And I went to get my list and he got his where we had written down a past life thing and the dreams we were having about each other. We didn't share them with each other verbally. We just exchanged the writings and we wrote the same story of a past life we remembered together with each other. And we just, so we really opened up and we were, we met and were married within nine weeks. We just knew there was just no, um, you know, and we're together for 20 wonderful years, just growing together and being able to do this work together. It was incredible. And I write in the Awakened Psychic a little bit and in the Awakened Dreamer, I share a little bit of some of the work we did together on the spiritual realms. And we explored uh, everything together, traveling astrally and doing all this type of work. So when he passed, which was very unexpected, there weren't health issues or, you know, everything, it was just very unexpected. And I can't talk about that right now or I'll start crying. So I'll just keep to the more story side of it. But, um, you know, uh, sorry, it's still very emotional for me still. I'm trying, this is really, I'll tell you, honestly, this is the first interview I've done talking about it. I'm just now at a point where I can speak about it. Um, a little less emotionally. And the conference is the first conference I'll be opening up and talking about this publicly as well. But um, because of the connection we had, and I don't like to use soulmate because it's just been overused and abused. And you have lots of soulmates. You, You have family members and friends and lots of soulmates. There's not just one. But he and I had many lifetimes together and we're going to have future lifetimes together. And we were just highly, highly connected and very much in love. Um, we weren't ready to let go. And so he stayed around so much so that in the first few weeks after his passing, people who didn't even believe in this were seeing him, um, people, family members, their children and other people's children were seeing him and describing him and with, you know, people who didn't even believe this to be true. He made himself so known. I had people calling me around the country saying, I'm not a psychic and I'm not a medium, but your husband's here in my living room appearing to me and needs me to get this message to you because you're so in grief right now, you're not listening. And so I just had this amazing experience where he just wouldn't give up. And I was just so closed down in grief. I wasn't open to seeing or hearing anything. As I got better and clearer, then I began to be able to communicate with him more. And we decided, you know, we're going to continue the work and we're going to continue this relationship in a sense, but not in the physical, but in a different, in a different way. So we share information and we compare notes. And, um, I'll tell you the most interesting thing I found is there is something that observes this and at times tries to to block it, like where I'm not supposed to get too much information perhaps about something or I'm uh, it's not supposed to be known when you're still here on earth. And we found ways to try to circumnavigate this. I don't want to say this too much. Like I feel like, you know, that I don't want others to hear on the other side and realize what we're doing. But he'll use other people sometimes to get messages to me. We uh, use different time cycles and things when the energy is stronger to get messages across for certain things and we're exploring. But at the same time, when sometimes I've blocked at other times, my guides have really opened up and allowed me to observe him and see things he's doing and the work he's doing over there, what he's involved in, what his life is like, his daily life. 
um, you know, I knew life goes on. I recognize many past lifetimes. I help other people see their past lifetimes and connections and their future ones. Um, before my mother died, I had an experience where I saw her future lifetime and where she would be reborn. And I knew I would still be alive in this lifetime and see her reincarnate. I know the job she's going to have. I know where she's going to live and I'm going to go see her in the future and in her, as her new self. And um, I'm going to be a patron of what she does in the arts and, and buy some of those things to support her work. And she won't know me the same, obviously. Um, and that's a topic for another time where I can tell you how the higher self and the aura, we split those cords. So we maintain a cord of energy that we can connect with psychically and talk to the person we know as mom. But that person reincarnates and comes down with a different cord of energy into their next incarnation. And so how we can still talk to someone in an energy that we knew as mother, even when they've reincarnated and are having a different experience as a, as a soul in a different aspect. Um, and I talk about that a lot in the aura book and, and teach that in the mystery school teachings. Um, too much to get into today, but just, to, you know, it's fascinating to see the future like that. And so I know where she's, you know, when, where she was born and when she, how she's coming back and what she'll do versus my husband is staying over there for longer and going to be doing some work and we'll be doing some work together in a sense, as we continue kind of the work we started in not just this lifetime, but others and, and, and carry forward. I, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but yes, I'm learning more every day about life on the other side. Yes. Well, thank you. And thank you for sharing that. And, you know, we feel honored that this is the first interview that you are opening up about that before you go to your conference. So I guess you can look at our interview as practice. <laughs> we're, we're giving you some practice before you head out there. Well, I look at it as meant to be and, and the synchronicity and the divine order in the world and in spirit, because um, when you guys reached out to me to do the interview, I didn't know that, it, that you had found me through the afterlife conference and we had talked about chatting about the aura and that was it. So I didn't even know that this would be that opportunity where I open up and I look at that as the universe's way and divine order of when you let go and go with the flow, it happens as it, as it needs to. Absolutely. Well, Kayla, thank you so much. It really was a pleasure just meeting you virtually here and uh, having you as a guest on our show. And I hope the Afterlife Conference goes really well for everyone. I hope one year Mike and I will actually be able to attend or show our film um, and be a part of that some some way, somehow, because that community is near and dear to our hearts. So uh, before we close, could you just let our listeners know where they can find information about you and your website? Absolutely. Uh, I call it many paths, one destination. And that's my website, exploreyourspirit.com. You'll find my Academy of Mystical Arts and Spiritual Sciences on there. Uh, you'll find information about my books, my teachings, upcoming webinars and classes. I have a blog. You'll find out about consultations I do. Really all things uh, about my type of work and things you can check out. And I have a free newsletter and uh, you get a free 30-minute guided meditation to open up to your spirit guides if you'd like to do so. With It's a download when you sign up for the newsletter. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's exploreyourspirit.com. Excellent. Thanks again, Kayla. And we hope to have you back sometime soon. My pleasure. Take care and come see us this year at the conference. Come, come on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. 
If you want more information about our films, visit our website, path11productions.com, to purchase DVDs or to rent and stream each film. You can also find our trilogy of films on iTunes, Amazon Prime, and Gaia.com. You can still use our smartphone app for both Android and iPhones. Just search for Path 11 in the Google Play App Store, or if on an iPhone, look for Path 11 in the iOS App Store. Catch you next time.